We're giving you three tips today on how to have the hottest listing on Airbnb with the Airbnb herself, Johnny Thomas, right here on the Fearless Investor Channel. I believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income. It is instead measured by your availability of choices, especially the choice to live life on your terms. I also believe there are many ways to create wealth, but one thing is for certain, you have to have a laser focus on one path. My path, Airbnb, but I also believe in education and expanding your mind. Education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before. Join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in Airbnb, real estate, and so many more investment strategies. Together, we can conquer the world of investing. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us on the Fearless Investor YouTube channel and podcast. My name is Kyle Stanley. We're giving you all things Airbnb and short-term rentals. Johnny Thomas and I uh, connected on Instagram. She has a large network of students that she's helping to be able to build uh, a business in Airbnb, just like myself. But we, you know, that's what I love about Airbnb. We're all helping each other out. And if you like everything that Johnny is sharing today and you feel like you connect well with her, by all means, you know, go go and hire her as a coach rather than me because I want to make sure that our audience gets connected with the best people to help them to be able to build a great business in Airbnb. But if, if you do feel like, you know, our route is the one for you with the six-figure formula, as you probably have heard again and again here on our channel, all you have to do is go and email me info at fearlesskyle.com subject line 6FF and just let us know that you want more information and we can tell you the next steps and how all of our students are getting to six figures or you know, the majority of our students, I want to say all, there's no guarantees, right? You got to put in the work, but those that are putting in the work are getting to six figures in under a year. And that's why we call it the six figure formula. So all you have to do, again, email me, info at fearlesskyle.com, 6FF as a subject line. Now, uh, speaking of making six figures, if you're not using Price Labs, you're probably leaving as much as six figures on the table. And I love, love, love Price Labs. We use it in our business all the time. It is a dynamic pricing tool that's going to help you to increase your rates, increase your occupancy, and reduce the time that you spend in your business. All you got to do, if you're on YouTube right now, go down to the bottom of this one and click on the Price Labs link, you get a free 30-day trial, plus a free training to onboard you to help you to get started in Price Labs. It can be a little confusing in the beginning, nothing better than having some, some actual help to get you started. And if you're listening on YouTube, then all you have to do is go to the show notes, fearlesskyle.com forward slash Airbnb, just like bay, like I'm with my bay. So Airbnb with an A-E at the end, Airbnb. Hope that makes sense. And you can go ahead and click on the link right there and get your trial started. So without further ado, let's get with the Airbnb herself, Johnny Thomas, and talk about the three tips for getting the hottest listing on Airbnb. All right, everyone, welcome in to this live uh, looking with Johnny Thomas. She's coming in from Atlanta, Georgia. She is the Airbnb and she and I got connected on Instagram a while ago. She just has an incredible community of people as well. And I wanted to introduce her to our community too, because this is, uh, I mean, we got, we got one of the biggest Facebook groups in the world. So we got we to gotta keep on bringing some amazing people in. And Johnny is that person. So Johnny, thanks for being with us. Yeah, no, definitely, Kyle. Thank you for being here. I mean, I think your Facebook group was one of the first ones um, I joined on Facebook. So it's good to have a, you know, a, a moment where now I'm the one that's on there talking to you. So super exciting. And your group has been very helpful. 
Awesome. Well, I know you've been helpful to a lot of people as well, but uh, you know, I always like to to start this off with that question of what is your craziest Airbnb story that you have out there? Um, and and I know you've been doing this for a little bit of time, so you know you might want to try to handpick something, but don't try to scare yeah. people too much, okay? <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Um, I mean, so I'll break it up. One of the craziest investing stories that I have is so I charge about a thousand dollars and up on my units per night, and wow. then this property that I was looking for, my sister who was actually living in the north. She saw the house because I was telling her about Airbnb and my success with it. She saw a house, never told me about it. Uh, and then I was looking to buy my mama house. I ended up, she never told me about that house because it was already under contract. Two months later, it fell from under contract. And I actually put an offer on it without telling my mom about it because it was such a perfect house for Airbnb. And then my mom sent it to my sister and it happened to be the house that she wanted. And that's the house that brings in the most amount of money on Airbnb. So wow. um, you can say the family has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, go sis. That's yeah. awesome. That's a really cool story. So, uh, and, and that's one of the things I wanna talk about. Today we're talking about the three secrets to creating the hottest listing on Airbnb. And you sure. are one of the best at it because you are, like you say, getting upwards of $1,000 a night on Airbnb. And, and I know, you know, what, what I love about what you've been able to create, a lot like my friend uh, Rachel Gainsbrew, that you don't have a ton of units, but those units that you have are just creating massive amounts of income, yeah. which I like that so much better because, you know, you get to, you get to focus really on, um, on being able to create an amazing experience with little overhead. You don't have to have a ton of of employees. But before we get into that, because that, that is going to be fun for us to talk about, take me back, you know, before Airbnb. And by the way, guys, if you're watching live on, on the uh, Airbnb Facebook group, the Airbnb Masterminds page, get your questions ready. You're going to have some for Johnny. I know you are, but if you've got questions, go ahead and fire away, comment down the, below there. We might not get to them until the end, but if we do see some relevant questions during a, a specific topic, I would love to ask them uh, on your behalf. So Johnny, take me back before Airbnb. What were you doing and what was what was life like? So I actually, I stem from the North before I moved to Atlanta and uh, I lived in the insurance capital of the world. So I uh, fell into insurance. Um, so I was doing uh, contract negotiations and contract writing. Uh, I was doing it for the legal department of my company. And so that was what it was like for me. I was in corporate, I was doing contract writing in the supply chain management, um, supply chain management and operations sector of my business. And that's what it was like for me, you know, the normal clocking in. Um, I mean, I've been doing that for about uh, five, five or so years. So that's what my life looked like before I went um, into Airbnb. Okay. And, mm -hmm, and so the transition for me happened because, uh, I mean, I went through a, a time frame where I was looking for anything to do. I was making candles. I was just anything that you can think of. Yeah. And I actually went to Atlanta because my husband and I were about to move to Atlanta and I ended up staying in someone's Airbnb. And at the time they had a home and we actually just stayed in a room. So we did a shared listing. Okay. And I think we ended up paying $600 for the four days. And so it never dawned on me at the time. I was just thinking like, wow, this was pretty expensive to stay in someone's home, but That's Atlanta so was booked out in terms of hotels and all of that. Uh, so when 
we bought our first home, we bought a five bedroom home, you know, it's just my husband and myself. I thought, hey, our wedding is around the corner. Why spend my hard earned money that I, you know, went through my 95, nine to five working hard to earn when I can just make some bucks off of Airbnb real quick. And they ended up, we ended up having, renting out two of our bedrooms. And I mean, it was a hit. It was scary to think about how, I mean, it was scary at first, right? To think about people in your home. Oh, yeah. People were really polite. And once you screen your guests, you just feel real comfortable with them. And I mean, at that time, I was only charging about $120 for the two bedrooms, right? And so it made sense to me that if I moved over to a home where people have privacy, could I think about how much more they would be willing to spend? So, yeah. You you and I have a really similar start. I, I started doing it in a room as well. And, I, you know, talking about that fear, because I talk about this with a lot of my students who are couples and, and they, they really get concerned about doing it as a room out of their house. What yeah. were some of those concerns and fears that you had in, in thinking about doing this as a room and having people come into your space? Well, first of all, I like to watch murder mysteries a lot. So I think about things like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> worst case um, scenario right there. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think some of the fears for me was making sure that they had enough privacy and that I had enough privacy as well. So uh, would they be comfortable um, coming in late at night? You know, how would they enter the home? Things like that. It was more operational for me. So uh, we did put a lot of boundaries. We made, we tried to make it as free as possible, right? We stayed out of their way. They stayed out of ours I mean it wasn't a split level in any way we were in the house moving around um, they were able to use most of the home right except my bedroom um, and they were pretty comfortable we had like a, a, a guest uh, rules that we sent to them prior they signed off on it um, they sent we did extra security so they sent IDs they were absolutely uh, okay with it so I think you know and, and it's a two-way interview, right? Because we had to make sure that they were comfortable because they do have questions like, hey, if we're sharing the space, who are we going to be staying with? So I think it was equally as important to make sure that they were comfortable as much as we were comfortable. That's awesome. Um, so when you talk about these rooms, you said you were doing about 120. Was that 120 per room or 120 total? Oh no, they were getting it dirt cheap. It was 120 for, uh, actually there was one time where we over, we, uh, when I created another listing and we actually accidentally booked two people in the home at once. Okay. Um, but remember I had five bedrooms, so I just gave them the other two and it worked out, but I was doing 120 for both rooms. And my husband at the time was telling me it was highway robbery and I didn't believe it. I was like, you have to, you, you have to make sure that you're pricing competitively at the time. I wasn't pricing competitively. I was just giving it to them for dirt cheap. So, um, yeah, it was 120 for both rooms. Were you covering your mortgage with that? Absolutely. Yeah. We actually covered about 75% of our wedding in about three months. Oh my gosh. Just a couple of rooms out of your house. It's amazing. Just, so just a couple of rooms. Yeah. Talk about the transition into doing it with the full house and 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 just kind of catch people up too of what is what does business look like for you today? Yeah. So the full house transition actually happened. I didn't buy a home. Uh, so my husband bought our marriage home and then we bought a our first rental in uh, 2020, actually. So right in the thick of COVID. Mm. So the, I actually have a funnier story about that. When I went to buy that home, or when we went to buy that home, rather, 
Uh, and I say I, and I'll tell you why. So when I went to go buy that home, my husband is like, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm a little bit hard-headed. But he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, COVID's about to happen. But I closed off on the contract and I'm like, this is really good income. And at the time, I was actually looking to retire in my 20s. Mm. Um, so that's why I was pushing so hard to get that uh, condo, which is about five minutes from downtown. Um, and at the time, we I went and I purchased it. My husband's like, look what you did now. You know, COVID's happening. You're going to have to think about renting this long term. So that night, I went on, uh, is it Zillow? Zillow, and you can rent put the listing up to rent to a long-term renter. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, let me just put it on Airbnb as well. And uh, I used the photos that they used to stage the house selling, sell it to me. I actually just used that for my Airbnb listing. The next day I had about 27, 20, I, I kid you not, about 27 requests, which came up to maybe, I want to say it was about 6,000. I don't know what was happening in the market there. Then maybe people were just, I mean, you had people having, uh, cabin fever, right? They want to get out. They want to get out as much as possible. I had requests coming in and I was still uh, at that time, 120 a night. So I saw how much demand that there was. I'm like, hey, uh, less than 24 hours of me booking this up and waking up, I had more than enough to cover the market, uh, the mortgage and make crazy amount of profit. So that was how I decided to push towards the, um, you know, continue to push forward with the Airbnbs. So yeah, let's let's go back to what you said about buying a rental property, your first rental property during COVID. So what had you so excited about making, or were you excited about making that purchase? Well, in in the culture of this being fearless, Kyle, I was scared as I don't even know what. I was nervous. I I mean, the numbers made sense, right? When you do it out of your room, there's an environment of risk that you you you. It's, it's not as much of a, a risk as you anticipate when you're just starting brand new. You get to test out the market. So for me, I knew that the money was there. And you know, when people ask me, hey, why did I join Airbnb? Money. I joined Airbnb for money, right? And to make sure that um, you know, if I had a goal of retiring early and having kids, that I could do that rather quickly with Airbnb. And it made sense. So um, I was nervous because uh, it was technically our first rental property, right? This is, there's no turning back. I mean, you could do the safe thing of throwing it up on Zillow and renting it to a one, a one, uh, a long-term rent renter. But I was scared because, you know, those thoughts came in. What if this doesn't work? Right. And, and no matter how many numbers you might see that it works somewhere else. Um, what if it doesn't work here? Um, so even though I had all of that experience, knowing that people were still staying with me, even in the home, there's still that, that fear creep crept up on me. And so I just pushed through it. I heard once that uh, great investors make moves in tough situations, right? So I heard a story, and, and actually I heard about the, in the market, a lot of people were selling off their units when COVID first happened because COVID was new. A lot of people didn't know what they were going to do. I mean, people had uh, 50, 60 houses that they were selling, huge investors, right? And today you have houses that are selling for double the prices. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you got to take, you, you got to take calculated risks. And mine felt like they were calculated because of my previous experience with testing the market. 
And that, so what I want to point out there is that even though you had experience, even though you, you knew that Airbnb was more than covering your mortgage, plus your wedding as just a room out of your house, even though you had that, that proof of concept, we'll call it, you still had that fear. And I think that's important for people to know, because even my third, fourth, fifth arbitrage deal, my first co-hosting deal, I mean, you know, we're now six, seven months into the business, still getting scared of like, what if this one doesn't make money, you know, and, and, and I think there's always going to be some level of fear. So what, where is that at today? How does that correlate over to your business today? Oh man. Well, let's just say this. I'm sitting in a $5,000 apartment, right? That I come in maybe twice a month that I'm not afraid of at all. I come in here twice a month. I actually uh, created it for Airbnb, but I was so, I was so love in love with the the way it looks that I was like, no, I'm just going to keep this for my work area. So you can see the confidence is definitely stronger, right? To be paying this much for an apartment that I'm not even living in. I just use it for moments like this, right? Um, like a great so write-off. Yeah, no, the fear <laughs> is definitely not there as much. I mean, when you think about, I've been able to, I've been able to, for any financial needs I have, I've been able to, let's say for an example, for example, weekends usually go fast in Atlanta. They're the first things to go. Um, and if I need something, right, and I, th there's this calculation I normally do, do I feel like working or do I not feel like working, right? And I might open up a, a calendar of a day that's not booked, but I just blocked it off and it will book, right? And so when I've been able to gain that much confidence with seven units, I've been able to gain that much confidence where I feel like if I have a financial obligation, I'll just open up a day and instead of taking it out of my bank account, I'll just let someone on Airbnb, you know, pay my car note or something like that, for example. But um, the confidence has definitely been a journey. It wasn't um, like, like we talked about, it wasn't just jump in and, you know, uh, jump in because it's going to be great. It was something that I had to build up on. It's, it's helped me to uh, teach students, right? It's helped me to create a community of students. It's helped me to um, invest. It's helped me to, I'm retiring before I'm 30. So it's, it's, it's definitely changed my life. There's no other way to put it. That's good. That's good. Well, I want to come back to the confidence piece, but I also would like to just, I'd like people to know the snapshot of your business today. So how many units do you have? Do you arbitrage them? Do you co-host? Do you own? Uh, what's the average gross income? Just kind of give us a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, so I have uh, seven seven units. Um, three three and a half are owned. One of them is a partnership, and the other a rental arbitrage. So my model are homes. They make the most sense to me when it comes to the market. Right, more space, more people uh, in the Atlanta market. A lot of people travel in groups. So you might say. You know, I by myself, I'm not ever booking a $500 rental unless it's in Cabo somewhere, you know, with a completely different experience. But when you're looking at a house that has five bedrooms that hold 10 people, they are paying about 50 something dollars a night per person, right? So it actually ends up being a lot, uh, a lot more uh, affordable for mm -hmm. them. And so uh, that's my model, right? I try to gauge those bigger, the bigger audiences. And we, and that's, that's what works out for me. Um, I actually have one home, this home that I talked to, to you about the earlier one that last summer in July pulled in 30,000 by itself. 
um, because that was one of the more expensive months. And I, um, I actually have people sometimes bid on that unit because so many requests come through and I'll say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, someone is about to book it. And they'll say, hey, I'll pay an extra this for that. But that house also has a pool in the backyard. It has a huge backyard. So um, sometimes I'll let them have gatherings. So the most I've had, the, the most expensive uh, booking I've ever had at that house was $7,000 for two days. And so with a rental like that, it was so easy for me to, um, pull in 30 K. Uh, the other one altogether, I'll probably bringing about anywhere between 50 and 60. Um, it, it all depends on how I feel because I have, you know, back to the confidence. I tell my students, Hey, if I know that my weekends are going to book and these days are guaranteed to book and my prices are higher, You'll find that most times with the occupancy rate, uh, with the occupancy rate, people aren't going to pay $1,000 on a Monday or a Tuesday, right? But they'll pay that $1,000 on the Friday and a Saturday. And so um, for me, uh, I decide when it is that I want to work. I might say, hey, you know, should I put my, this unit down to $200? Is it worth it for me? But I'm of the belief that, hey, I want to make more while working less. So instead of me, you know, pricing out at $250 a night, I'll just do $1,000 a night and I'll make all the money that I would have made on the weekdays, on the weekends. And I think a lot of people have a hard time believing that you can charge a price like that. But you, I go on Airbnb and I look up other rentals and you can see other people charging the same exact price, right? right? The only difference is they might have a million dollar house. I don't. Like that house I paid about two, um, it was on the market for 199 and I ended up overbidding for, overbidding to, I think, 220 and beat out a cash buyer. So I'm charging $1,000 a night on a house that's not even a half a million dollars. Mm, wow. Okay. Well, it's time to get to the Atlanta market. With that being yes. said, I know there's a lot of restrictions coming into the Atlanta market as yes. well. How's that impacting your business? I'm excited about it. I will say none of my none of my units um, except for this one is in the uh, is in uh, what is it called the ordinance right mm. so you can go on the website and you can see where they outline the ordinance all of the houses themselves they're all outside of the ordinance so I teach my students you know but when you're about to do your research if you are concerned about the ordinance because what's happening is you're going in a competitive area where there's a lot of hotels. And if hotels have to pay hotel motel taxes, right? Why do we not pay hotel motel taxes? So those are your competitors and hotels are making noise about it um, to, you know, uh, um, to, the, to the city. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons why the ordinances are, are, are starting to pop up everywhere. But for me, I always say it's a small price to pay for those big gains, right? It's a 8% hotel motel taxes and for me, all I will do is put my price up 8% more, but for I'm charging such a high ceiling that I don't even feel comfortable putting the price up on other people. Um, I would probably just eat it, but it doesn't affect me. And as for my students who are starting and they're new, I just tell them to make sure we actually had our, on our office hours. We do office hours every bi-weekly. We, last night's topic, Monday night's topic was the ordinance and learning how to fill it out and um, how to make sure you are choosing the best area around the ordinance. Um, because the, Georgia is so big, right? Um, 
and Atlanta is is not all of Georgia. So right. the ordinance, if you want to avoid it, you absolutely can. And for those who can't avoid it, I tell them follow the rules because it is a small price to pay for such big gains. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to confidence here. And and you and I talked privately at one point and you said, you know, I was charging, you know, three, four hundred dollars. And then I just decided, you know what, I, I need to be charging more. And, and it started getting booked at these thousand dollars per night. What gave you that, that confidence to, I mean, cause that's not gonna be scary. Cause I think a lot of people that scarcity mindset is, Hey, but what if I don't get booked and then I leave money on the table. And, and I think there is truly a balance of that of, okay, there's, there's such a thing as charging too much to where you're not going to get booked. And then there's such a thing as like, you're too booked and you're not charging enough. Yeah. So where, where did you find just that, that confidence to decide, Hey, I'm going to just double, triple my rates and see what happens. Yeah. So, um, two things, um, and I'll give you a little bit of a gem. So I actually was cleaning my unit and what would happen to me is I'd have the place booked and let's say someone would cancel because they can't come anymore that day. And I would say, Oh, thank you. I can sit down and rest now. And the moment that I sit down before I get to block off my calendar, someone would book me instantly like that. Right. And so they were booking too quickly. And so I always say, if people are booking too quickly, then something is wrong. Right. Um, the demand is high, but I also had someone coming into that unit of a guest and say, wow, your unit was one of the most beautiful units I saw when I was looking and it was one of the cheapest ones. That's where she created a monster, right? <laughs> so um, that's where I decided, hey, I'm getting this feedback from a customer. I absolutely need to come up on my prices. Um, and that was actually in one of my smaller units, like the three bedrooms. Um, so at the time, I think I was charging like uh, two something for that. And I now charge $4.98 on that one. Um, the other idea I had with my bigger homes, one, I knew what I was offering. I knew how in-demand pools are in Atlanta. I know how in-demand um, big spaces are in, in, in my market because in my market, the behavior, the customer behavior is people traveling groups, right? So when you break down a hotel and you're being charged 190 for a hotel, there's no parking in downtown Atlanta. Um, you're paying on top of that for your, you know, your parking. Uh, it just made the most sense for the groups to stay, for your group to stay together. And so that's what I always hear the consistent feedback from my groups. Um, but one of the gems that I wanted to drop is there's a, in that same condo downtown, close to downtown, I have uh, that condo, I think is, that's actually a two bedroom, two and a half bedroom. And I have someone next to me who has three and a half bedrooms. She has three floors. She's charging 150 a night. I'm charging double her rate and we are right, we're on a condo right next to each other. You would think that she's my competition, but she's not. And the reason being, she's to me underpriced, right? So what happens is people book you very quickly, three, yep. two, two, three months in advance. Yep. Now here comes me, a very beautiful unit, right? People, it's just the behavior in Atlanta. People are going to book. You're not my competition because you're kept, you don't even show up on Airbnb for those dates because you're already blocked, right? So now when you see someone like me, I'm definitely gonna make sure that my unit looks good so it doesn't feel like you're just getting bamboozled with what's left. It looks good and to you it's worth the money and that's what's available. So you're going to, the market is pushing you to my unit, right? So I, I, I'm okay playing the waiting game. Yep. I love that. We always talk about the three tiers of bookers, the types of bookers that are 
kind of coming up and that's that that falls into that first one of their booking way too early so you need to be you need to be that next one that's not priced in that range so you're not getting booked early and now it's a scarcity of of uh, demand or scarcity of supply and you're able to to take advantage of that demand we've got some questions that are popping up on the side here i want to get to those in a second but i do want to get to the fact of what we titled this as of the three secrets of creating the hottest listing on airbnb so what are those three secrets that you've got for us johnny yeah so i talked about one in terms of like the demand and the gem right um but for me uh what one of the first things I do is I never go to look at the competition in terms of, hey, you know, the market is, uh, or there are some um, websites where they, they, they price match based on what everybody else is pricing, right? I never really go look at that. The first thing I do is I look at people's decor. I, I only look at my competition's decor. I don't look at my competition's price because I want to see what's in the area. And I want to make sure that my decor is 10 times better than that, because people are moving in the direction where they want Instagrammable units, right? They want a unit with a backdrop. They want an experience. And so when I talk to my students, I tell them I sell experiences outside of the hospitality business. I sell experiences. So you're going to come here and you're going to be able to get um, an experience. So that's how I look. I make sure I look for look in my area and just look at people's decor, right? Because I don't intend to charge the price that their price they're charging. But if they have, you know, a waterbed or something, I'm going to make sure I have a pool table. I'm going to make sure that there's swings in my house. I'm going to make sure that you come here and it's a full-on experience for you. Um, I also talk about just doubling up your listings, right? That's one of my trade secrets. So on the Instagram algorithm, Instagram, uh, sorry, not Instagram, Airbnb favors new, new listings. And so what I do is um, because I have seven units, two, four of my units are very similar. What I do is I create two listings, same exact listing. So, and for the same exact house, right? So this house is booked, even though I have another house, but this house is booked. I leave that calendar. I, I doubled up the listing. So I have another listing for that house. And what happens because they're almost the same exact type of house, they're in the same neighborhood. Um, when I tell people this one's gone, they'll say, well, do you have anything else? Or I'll say, well, I have something else for you. And they see it, there's no difference between those homes. So they, it's a no brainer. They're going mm. to go ahead and grab that listing. Um, it's, I've never had it fail, right? Because they just want to make sure that they have this space. And so giving them a beautiful listing is a, is a plus. Um, let me see what else I had here. So, and so, so that helps with like your listing visibility. When you double up your units, you get more views. And so that's what helps you to get more bookings. So let me, let me clarify really quickly here. So mm -hmm. you're saying it's the same unit, you have two different listings for it and you don't block off the, the calendar. Okay. So, so I have two houses that are the same houses, identical. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like having two apartments in the oh, two units in the apartment building. Okay, So it is two different units. It's two different units. Okay. But I have two listings per unit. Oh, okay. So depending on this, if this unit doesn't get, well, let's use this one. If this unit gets booked mm -hmm. and that's the one that they happen to see and wanted, there's another listing for that unit. Right. And that's how they're even able to find it. So I might say for whatever reason, if 
this unit didn't pop up for them, I might do a switcheroo and say, hey, that one is actually booked with a return guest or whatever the case is, and they'll want the other unit. I'm very involved when it comes to my Airbnb guest, first of all, right? A lot of people talk about automation, right? Mm -hmm. Which is important. One of the ways how I built my business is I'm very involved with my guests. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's not ideal for me um, where I'm going because the more units you have, the more guests you have, and it gets harder. Mm -hmm. So that was something I started to do as I was getting um, uh, more units. I'd pick up the phone, I'd call to speak to my guests. They feel so comfortable. And they always say to me, hey, I I've never had anyone call me and speak to me in XYZ. So that's how I'm even able to build uh, the rapport with them for them to say, hey, yeah, this is a no brainer. Um, so it's, it's really, those were the four things for me. You know, I look, well, three things. I look up um, uh, the people who are around me and I look at their decor, right? I scope out their decor, not necessarily their pricing. I might also go and, and search up $1,000 a night units and see what they have and see what I need to offer. And so I'm marking my competition based on their decor. Yeah. And then I'm doubling up my listings. So it's driving up my views, right? And more people are running my way. And nine times out of 10, I will have an available unit for you. Right. Um, I also say the, uh, I also, um, say the price you set is the price you get most times, right. For me, and at least in the Atlanta area and what I've experienced and what most of my students have experienced. And so, um, I also add additional services. I might put a car on my, like I have a couple rental cars. I might put a car on that, uh, unit that people like to gather because it's right next to the airport. And so with the shortages of cars and then how everything is going in the market, that looks like an attractive listing because all you have to do, I mean, the lines were two, three hours long to get a car at the airport. And Atlanta yeah. has one of the biggest airports. So I always say you can look at where a destination, if a destination is profitable by the amount of traffic it has there, right? Um, and so I, I might put additional services on my listings and people absolutely love them. And so those are three of the things that I would recommend. You know what I, I just love about everything you're saying? It just centers around the fact that you completely understand how to dominate your market. You know, it, it's not necessarily about how to dominate Airbnb, it's about how to dominate your market because what you're explaining to me is not gonna be the same as Phoenix, Arizona or Fresno, California or Maui and Hawaii, like you just completely know that there is a certain property that sounds like it's a big property with a pool and adding additional services allows you like a car to be able to uh, provide things that other people in your market are not providing. And so, yeah, it makes sense why people would want to spend top dollar. Um, my follow-up question and actually uh, one of our one of our students just commented as well. Halame says, so on that second listing, are you leaving the calendar open, open and just not allowing instant bookings? Is that why? Yeah, okay. I don't allow instant bookings. So there are times where I forget and I've gotten in a lot of trouble, right? Because people, I've gotten in trouble twice because people double um, booked and mm -hmm. it was when I first created it, right? It was automatic booking was on. And so I had to go and shut that off because it was getting me in trouble, right? Yeah. So um, I have to make sure that I don't do automatic booking. Actually, based on my demand, when I started, I did automatic bookings because I was nervous. There was a lot of fear. I didn't have a lot of guidelines, right? I wanted anyone and everyone, just book me, just book me. And now because I've created that demand, I shut off my instant book. You have to send over uh, 
you know, the reasons why you're booking, we do a screening, right? And that's to make sure that you're comfortable with me and that we're comfortable, uh, I'm comfortable with you. So um, yeah, no, I, that, that's spot on. Um, I definitely don't leave that open. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that was definitely going to be my, my question. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, so we got a few questions here. Some are, I'm going to go over because I want to, I want to go ahead and make sure we get to the, the questions that are going to get the most value here. So Danny has a good question. He says, recession looks to be coming. What should we plan for during uh, this downturn? Now, you know, it, there's no guarantee there's gonna be a downturn, uh, but there's a lot of talk about it. And I think it's worth talking about here, especially even looking at it from an Airbnb perspective um, of, you know, is it going to affect travel? Is it going to affect things like that? Is it even going to happen? What are your thoughts on all of it? Yeah. And so you're saying recession, yeah, recession in general. So for me, right. And I think about the Atlanta market and the um, Houston market and, uh, the experience that I had when it came to the recession or just, you know, purchasing my first unit is that's exactly what I thought the market is going to crash. A lot of people thought the market was going to crash, but in my market, you, you, I tie it back to the employment, um, the employment, uh, unemployment uh, rates, right? A lot of people, there's a lot of the unemployment rates are high and people are, you know, they might be going and getting um, food stamps and government services, unemployment, all sort of things like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't working, right? People are not going back to work because a lot of people are entrepreneurs. There's so much money that's moving around in the system. How are people charging the, at the time like a recession where people are losing all their jobs? How are people paying $1,000 a night, right? And so what I think about is, uh, to me at least, it's there's so many entrepreneurs. And that's why the government had to start saying, well, we're going to track your Zelle payment over $600. We're gonna track your um, PayPal payment over $600 because there are a lot of jobs that are not necessarily reported on paper yet, but money is still flowing around in the system. And so for me personally, I say, I've been waiting or assuming that a recession is going to happen almost two years now, and it hasn't, right? And people still book out uh, my units. People are still traveling when people, when they said all of the jobs are gone and no, nobody's working and here people are paying a thousand dollars a night. And so I think it's important to think about what your audience is. And I say, there's a set of, uh, there's a set of, there's a target market for everyone, mm -hmm. right? And so, my unit might not necessarily appeal to someone who's looking for $120 a night unit, right? They, they have the ability to go in and filter in. And so for me, I think it all comes back down to your target audience. So I don't necessarily know if that's the best answer, but um, it's all behavioral, right? We're, we're waiting for the housing market to crash and homes to come back on the market. It's still not happening yet. We're, we're just in a waiting, pa waiting pattern. And so I say it's, the, the outlook that I've had is making sure that my target target audience is still my target audience, right? Um, so I don't know if that was pretty helpful, but- um, Yeah, you know, I, the way, anytime I get this question, the way I just always think of it is, you know what, if, if I lived on what ifs, if I had built a business around what ifs and I would never, I would never do anything. 
Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be able to take risks. We have to be willing to try some things out. And, you know, we all thought that Airbnb was going to be in big trouble as soon as COVID started and it happened for maybe two months. And then it's just like, boom, right back up, you know, and, and people get scared, people get worried, but you know, that's that at the end of the day, the difference between someone that's going to go out and build a a giant six, seven figure Airbnb business. And someone that's going to say, I'm just going to wait for the downturn. You know, Uh, I think, I think there is, at the end of the day, I just think if you're not acting, then then you're not going to be able to have a business and you're going to miss out yeah. on things. But no, for sure. And yeah. and I would just add one more thought. Yeah. Like I have a direct booking site too, right? And so for all the people who have booked with me in the past, um, they actually reach out to me directly because they have like my work um, information. And so it, it's for me, it's a, I normally rebook them through my site. And so I think it's so important to make sure that you are creating an experience for your guests and even a relationship because my guests, you know, they feel so comfortable reaching out to me. Think about all the reviews you've ever seen on someone's uh, listing where they, hey, this is my second time coming back. Hey, this is my third time coming back. So I've been able to create something separate away from Airbnb that can help to sustain me um, if necessary. Absolutely. Cool. Um, we got time for two more questions here. And this one is a, a big one. I feel like could be a three hour long training. In Ooh, fact, okay. we actually have a three hour long training for it, which is why I say that. But uh, I, I would love to hear your take on this. It's from Katie. She says, how do you determine how much you could potentially profit after expenses on a monthly basis? I love this question. I love this question. Um, hey, Katie, by the way. So, man, because my, so when I was charging the 120 a night uh, on my, uh, starting out on my condo, the one that's close to downtown, when I was charging that amount, um, I can't remember if it was about 40% occupancy was paying my mortgage, mm. right? 40% occupancy, I believe, was paying 40 or 50, give or take, was paying my mortgage. So everything else, and that at the time, remember, my husband, we're scared. We're thinking that, hey, COVID is going to knock this thing down. Um, I only cared about my rent at the time, right? I only cared about, my, sorry, my mortgage, making sure that my mortgage was paid. That's all I cared about. Uh, and then what happened was um, I made sure that, like, my utilities, right, those are the, the smallest amount that they can be, like Wi-Fi. I do want to give my guests the best Wi-Fi, but starting out, I watch and I see, is, is this tier of Wi-Fi enough for them, right? I was more price sensitive when I was starting out. And so at that unit, all I cared about was being 40% booked just to make sure that my mortgage was covered because I had that fear in me that it wasn't going to rent. So when I saw um, more coming in, it's like, okay, now, you know, let's take care of the utilities. Let's take care of X, Y, and Z. I charge an early guest, um, early check-in fee. I charge an early, uh, late checkout fee. Um, I had to shift and figure out if I wasn't making that amount, right? I think three months into having that unit, I pulled in 7,000 um, 7, bucks and I never imagined that I would have been able to do that. So when you're talking about a mortgage that's $1,200, you know, and the rest of it is technically profit to me because my utilities were coming up to um, uh, around one, 200 bucks. Let's say 200 bucks is what my utilities were coming up to, right? But that's why I was able to shift to say, hey, I'm going to charge a higher rate 
because I actually don't want as many people in my home and using up the utilities and the risk of having some bad gas and things like that. And I want to be able to make the max on the days that I know for sure they're going to come in, right, which is, are the weekends. And so I was able to make to reduce the occupancy and bring up my revenue. And that might not be ideal in all the markets like uh, Kyle talked about, right? It might not be ideal in all the markets, but it worked out in this market and it worked out in the Houston market for me. And so um, in the Houston market, you know, it's kind of different. In the Houston market, they love high rises and the view and being next to the mall and things like that. At least what I've experienced, I, did, I never bought a home in Houston, but that high rise, they love the views kind of like Miami. Um, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I just kind of uh, watched and waited and saw how much my expenses were versus what was coming in. And I know people often talked about uh, peak season and slow season. On peak season to me, I'm going to save up all this money. So if anything ever happens in slow season, I have the money to cover it. So instead of pushing yourself in fear and saying, hey, I'm not going to be booked. What about all this money that you made in, in peak season that can sustain you through slow season? Yep. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Great, great answer. Great question, Katie. And if you're looking for an exact formula of, of everything that Johnny just talked about as well, we've got one for you. FearlessKyle.com right under the Airbnb tab. We've got a three hour training on this. It's the market eval kit. It's only 97 bucks. So you can go and jump on it right away and you can have the exact formula of what we use to be able to uh, uh, just get down to the nitty gritty of like penny for penny, dollar for dollar, what you can possibly make out of property. Uh, all right, last question here. And I know there's been a lot of questions, guys, but we are we are definitely coming to the, uh, the end of the time here. And I want to make sure that we get the best one in. So I do want to ask this question from Rocio, uh, okay. but I want to add a little bit to it. She says, do you provide the car for free or for extra charge? I want to say, do you provide... Uh, all of these extra services that you mentioned for free or for extra charge. And if you are charging, how much do you, uh, how do you decide how much you're going to charge? Yeah. So I don't do anything for free. So, <laughs> uh, um, so on, so first I will say, here's a little story. I don't charge any of those things. All of those things are for an extra charge. Um, and I, it also depends on the guest. Because in talking to my guests, as I mentioned earlier, in speaking to my guests, um, I'm able to tell how price sensitive they are. So I might say, hey, you know, I'm not going to charge this one a check-in fee because they were already asking me so many questions that seemed a little price sensitive um, in the beginning. But, you know, there are some people who are coming in and they're excited and they, um, you know, they, they just want the unit and they want to come in um, early and especially if they want to come in five hours early hey I might have to pay my cleaning lady a little extra something to get her to move me up on the cleaning priority so I shift that cost over to her um but here's a little story that one thousand dollar a night unit which I've charged fourteen hundred on it um for the holiday weekends that one thousand dollar a night unit the demand was so high that I pushed it up to two thousand so that people could stop booking because what was happening is there was so much demand and um, requests coming through that I could not get to people in time. And I was just overwhelmed. I was doing it myself. And my response rate started to tank, which that messes with your super host, you know, your super host status. And so when I pushed it up to 2K, right, what happened? I got booking. Yeah. I was mind blown. I was mind blown. So when that happened to me, 
I started to think, huh, people want, uh, and, and I also say that to say, don't, you know, be fearless, be fearless, make sure that you are fearless and test, test your rates out, right? Um, when it comes to my, my car, I might charge, you know, I have a, a four-door Jeep. That thing is a gas guzzler, but it carries a big group, right? Um, and people are willing to pay for it because the, the lines are long and uh, the lines are long. And on Toro, um, on Toro, you have tons and tons of fees. So depending on the group, I might charge anywhere from 190 to 250 a day. Um, for my check-in fee, it also depends on the size of the unit. So for my smaller unit, I might charge a $40. For my larger unit, I might charge an extra $100. And they pay it. They're excited to pay it. Um, so I don't, I don't do it for free. I mean, I thought to myself, if I was able to charge 2K on a unit, then, and, and I didn't leave it at 2K um, because it did slow down. It was just some anomalies that said, hey, I want it regardless. But I was able to um, charge for the, the extra. If you come in, I charge you for your extra guests over the count that it's supposed to be. I don't know where you're going to sleep, but obviously you think that there's somewhere in there for you to sleep. Yeah. So, you know, if they beg and they plead, um, I'll say, hey, go ahead. But I still charge them an extra fee for it because you are using up utilities. Mm -hmm. You are using up um, things and you are just overall a risk to the home. So I require that even if it's over the 12 and you're saying, hey, I just have two more people and I want to bring them, I charge an extra $50 a day per day. So if it's two days, I'm charging $100 for that person. So um, I, I don't do that in peak season, right? I'm a little bit more lax. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't do that in slow season. I'm more lax and I want people to come and embrace me, right? Because I'm more at your mercy in, in slow season. Yeah. But at peak season, it's all hands on deck, right? Okay. So um, don't be afraid to charge your price. As a matter of fact, Kyle, I saw that you put one of your listings up to a high price and it got booked. Oh yeah. I, I'm not afraid to charge too much. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm not afraid go. to charge too much, especially in our vacation areas. Yeah. We got, we got some high prices in the summer. Um, okay, there you go. Yeah. 10 seconds or less because we're running out of time here. Mark just says, do you do car insurance on these cars for Turo? Yes, I do car insurance on those cars, extra car insurance. Yeah. And my husband handles that portion because I'm not a car person, but I am a home and Airbnb person. So he handles the person, the portion with the car insurance and all of that. Um, but yes, I do that. Awesome. Perfect. Johnny, how can people find you and connect with you? Um, so my name is actually Airbnb on um, Instagram, Airbnb underscore. Um, I have about 80,000 followers on there and um, I have a community, but it is a paid community. So if people are interested, you know, let me know. There's tons and tons of gems on there. Um, we have like a, uh, a retreat coming up where people are going to tour all of my property. My students will tour all of my properties. My mentees, I should say, tour all of my properties. It's just a fun and good time, right? And so um, if you're interested in finding me, I'm Airbnb on Instagram. And um, where else am I? I think I'm really only on Instagram. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Simple <laughs> as that. Simple yeah. as that. Awesome. Johnny, this has been so awesome. Thank you for giving us this, the three secrets to uh, creating the hottest listing on Airbnb and giving us an insight of how you're able to charge so much and conquering the world of Airbnb. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Cal. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. And thank you for joining my community and talking to my students because they love every gem that you dropped. And I'm pretty sure a couple of them are on here. So yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. Again, show notes for this one, fearlesskyle.com forward slash Airbnb. That's Air, A-I-R-B-N-B. -B. 
AE. That's all you have to do. Just add a little AE on the end of Airbnb. And you can go ahead and get connected with her. You can download and get started with Price Labs for that free 30-day trial. You can get all the show notes. You can get everything. It's it's all right there for you, making it super easy for you. So with that being said, I hope this was helpful today in helping you to be able to make the hottest listing on Airbnb. And I hope it helped you to conquer the world of Airbnb. We'll see you next time. 